Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. Hello, uh, good morning, good afternoon. Um, welcome to the sociology staff room. I'm Katie Tyler, and our guest today is Kerry Stike. Um, hello, and how are you today? I'm very good, very good. How Thank are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm on holiday mode, so super yes. excited. I think we all are at this sort of time. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on again. Um, for those people that didn't haven't heard of you come on a podcast before, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, no problem. So I am a geography and sociology teacher at my um, boys' grammar school in Gloucestershire. Um, there's three of us in the sociology department with all different backgrounds, with psychology and geography and obviously the sociology as well. So yeah, lots and lots going on <laughs> in the department. Amazing, amazing. It's nice to have sort of that idea as well, because I know there's dual, dual subjects as well mm -hmm. and how they sort of interact with each other. But today yeah. we're here to talk about sociology, teaching for the exam, teaching mm -hmm. for the love of sociology and getting that balance. Um, and I know that people, even if they're non-specialists in sociology um, or specialists in sociology, we still have that sort of, I think, and I don't know if you agree, but with sociology, there is such a scope to go outside the specification. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, I even said to my students, or have said previously, I would like double lessons. I know that some schools do, where you have two hours um, rather than the one. And sometimes it feels like you're squashing all the content into yeah. a lesson, as well as all the passion that comes from sociology. So I suppose we'll start with the first question, quite an open question. Why do you love sociology so much? <laughs> I just think it's such an important subject in today's society. I think that people underestimate it and a lot of people, including pupils, think it's just that extra subject to take sometimes. And when they actually get into, the, into it, they go, oh, I actually understand society a lot better than what I did before. And I think that sort of developing that idea with pupils these days makes it that much more fun because you get to see the way the world works from such a different perspective like teaching geography as well i get to see the both sides of it and how the different things work so sociology for me i think is just a key to how our society develops and i think that's crucial at the moment mm, definitely definitely i've definitely seen a lot more so we have seen it in the data that sociology has become increasingly popular over the last mm -hmm. five years and it's gone from sort of lower down i think sort of eight or nine on, on the rankings to sort of number three or four don't quote mm -hmm. me on that but there has definitely been an it's increased in popularity so i suppose my question on our focus today is how do we get that balance and should we get that balance you know and it's just a discussion i appreciate that we are just two people having this discussion um and actually, we're not representing all the views that are out there. But I'm sure we all have in our departments, you know, that sort of, or even as individuals, thinking to ourselves, well, how do we get that balance? And, and, and to what point do we stop going outside the subject and bring it back to the specification points? So my first question to you is, you know, first of all, what do you think around sort of that relationship between the love for sociology and also teaching towards the exam? What are you, where do you stand on that? And as a, as a teacher? I think there's ways in which you can link stuff that you love about sociology to the curriculum very, very easily. So for example, there's two things that I do in particular, which are kind of part of the spec, but they're not vital. So when we do our social action theories, when we look at theories and methods, I teach them about obviously um, your dramaturgical model and all that kind of stuff. And then when we do ethnomethodology, methodology, I do a mini breaching experiment with them for them to see what we mean by that. So what we do is um, when we have, because we used to um, have a split lunchtime, 
So I was able with the sixth formers to take them out to where the year sevens would have their lunch. And sixth formers and year sevens never really interact. You know, that's not really a thing that happens. And they're in our school, they've got designated zones where they all have their lunch, different year groups. Um, so I'd walk the sixth formers over and then they'd act normal, even though it's very difficult to because they never hang around there. And then I'd ask them at, when I put my hand up to stand completely still for them to understand what the whole concept of understanding how social norms are set without actually saying it, you know, like the whole concept of not running in a museum and that kind of thing. So it gets the pupils to actually understand, well, oh, social norms are actually set without actually saying it. You know, no one says to six formers, you can't stand and stare into space, but they know it's a very weird thing to do. So they can see how people react to that. You know, the year sevens were feeding them chips. They were looking at them, going up to their faces. And it got to them to see, oh, this is what we mean by ethnomethodology. And this is what we mean by setting social norms. This shows that people can get really uncomfortable when things are not the typical norm that we're used to. And then the other thing that I do is I've done it recently with my pupils. So with, is sociology a science? Now, Durkheim's book on suicide is mentioned very briefly. It's not really a thing that you go into. So I took the time to take some extracts from the book and get the pupils to work out what those different categories were or the typologies were and to see how Durkheim got to that stage. And that gets them to see how Durkheim's point of view of sociology is a science. It's actually backed by the work that he's done so they can understand it a bit better. Yes, the book was written in the late 1800s. I understand that. So there's a lot of wording to it. But if you spend an hour or so on it, the kids can really understand, you know, I can see now why Durkheim has said sociology is science, by the way he's used statistics, by the way he's put categories into certain things, he's got his hypotheses. So things like that, because you love the subject, you can really get the children to understand rather than saying this is the theory and that's it. It gives them that actual reflective experience of it. Mm. So my takeaway it is important to go slightly off piece slightly. My sort of question, and I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, it's a very active Facebook page we have for, for AQA. There are lots of student, uh, teachers, sorry, that are questioning, you know, how quickly they're getting through the spec and mm -hmm. that there is concern there with the amount of content there is. And, you know, I've covered this so far. Have I got enough time? Particularly teachers that are new to teaching, potentially. Um, those teachers that also a non-specialist and also we've had uh, as lots of people have commented really sort of a difficult year this year um the legacy of COVID from last year mm -hmm. we're talking about this year this sort of year 12 going into 13 um and doing their exams at the moment and obviously with them with the with strike action and you know other things mm -hmm. have gone on that have meant that students aren't in as much so I suppose my question to you is it a risk worth taking you know like you've spent said you spent an hour um doing some methodology you spent an hour mm -hmm. doing and I'm not critiquing that I, I mean yeah. I, I totally echo this but I'm just posing it as a question and obviously now we're going over the original work of Durkheim is it an hour worth spent what what's the payoff for you um is it or is does you feel like oh I've spent an hour doing that and I know that's not going to be explicitly assessed is that is that worth pay or payoff or or not I suppose um, I think with the sort of timetable that I have, because um, I get six hours a fortnight with my um, year 13s and only three, which is split between the three teachers in year 12, and then the other teacher in year 13 teaches three hours, and we do it that way. So I do get a lot of time with them. So I feel like we do get through the content pretty well. So for my current year 13s, for example, we finished about with three weeks left or something like that after everything was done, and I covered some of the other topic for the other teacher just to make sure that she had time 
to do some revision with the pupils before their exam as well. So it can be done even with those extra things. I think what I tend to do is read through what is vital for the pupils to know, what are the exam practices that are vital to know, and then use that time extra that I've got to actually show them how this works in practice, because I feel like that is far more valuable sometimes than them just reading something or doing a little task in class, actually seeing how this works or seeing how Durkheim presents the concept of science, which is a bit different to what the spec's asking you to do gets them to understand it in a different way rather than regurgitating knowledge. But that's just my opinion about it. No, no, I, I, de- I definitely agree. I, I personally obviously agree with you on that. Um, I know for myself, um, once I've taught methods and before we go into methods, into context, and it's just the way I sequence it, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the right reason. I teach sort of an introduction to theory and methods to begin with. So the students have that grounding of those concepts mm-hmm. and those theories and methods. And then I do go into education and then before, then I do go into methods. And then mm-hmm. before I teach methods and context, we have a week of research like in education. Mm-hmm. So they go off and do their own little pieces of research, whether that's observations and such. And mm-hmm. I find that pays off. My payoff for that is, yes, I've taken time out. They're not going to be asked to do a piece mm-hmm. of coursework. But when we get into the methods and context, the students really understand what that really feels like. So yeah. like one of my examples would be, often students say, oh, qualitative, quantitative research is really quick. Giving out questionnaires is really quick. And then sometimes I make mistakes, say it was quick, it's quick and that's it. But actually, mm-hmm. when they do the research, they realise this is quick to give out, like you can send mm-hmm. it on a survey monkey or Google Forms. But the reality of analysing that data takes absolutely ages. So they're a little bit more um, less throw away with their comments, as in like, oh, it's quick, you know, when they're talking about practical problems or so on. So, yes, it, I think I definitely would agree with that. I think it seems like a long time. And then when you actually go into the next bit, it's sort of, weirdly reduces that time so so example you talked a lot about um like sociologies of science but when mm. you act into that question as in sort of the, from the spec perspective the students tend to grasp that further maybe the payoff is that you do less revision because it's a concept that is embedded in their understanding a little bit more what's the, what's the risk then what are the risks because there's going to be teachers that are out there that are listening and thinking to themselves, mm-hmm. yeah, I really would like to do that. And I think, you know, I'd love to sort of go off piece slightly in the lesson to get that sort of understanding. What are the risks involved of doing that? I think obviously it varies between how you set out your lessons and things like that. And I think it's down to your style of teaching. If you feel like you're, you know, rushing to finish the content by the time the exam comes, then no, it's it's not worth it. But if you find, oh, I've got you know, two hours left at the end, maybe the fact, like you just said, doing something that proves that context can reduce actually the teaching down a little bit. So then it might actually give you time to revise still at the end. So I think it does actually vary depending on what your teaching structure is and your lesson structure and how you, you know, teach as a person. But I think definitely the content does come first. That is, you know, we have to teach to get them to pass their A-levels. But on the other side, the fact that some certain practice practices that you do and some sort of experiments that you do, it actually really benefits them and it actually helps them understand how to answer the exam. Because, you know, sociology isn't about just, it is, you have to know your theories, you have to know the concepts and things like that. But you have to understand how it works and how to analyse that. And that's very difficult to do as someone who's, you know, 17 or 18, who hasn't experienced it. So there's, it's quite a really difficult decision to make in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a really valid point that you've just mentioned is um, a sort of a lot of the sociology 
they may not have experienced and obviously there's lots of things we haven't experienced that we study in sociology and I would say that to students as well particularly things within the family unit potentially uh, but then obviously as adults we may have not experienced it but we've been exposed to it maybe more so through the media or just from conversations we've had so like you said there's a, a the benefit of getting the students immersed into the sociology will help them get that better understanding when it comes to something that seems quite abstract or theoretical in regards to other reasons so obviously you talked about the fact of embedding their knowledge their understanding maybe reducing time when it comes to revision what else are the payoffs for sort of demonstrating that that love that passion for sociology potentially it's to get them to see it from your perspective as well because obviously as sociologists you know we love the subject and sometimes the spec doesn't hinder you but it stops you from showing that passion a little bit because you've got to get through the content in some areas but if you get to actually show them how this works how things work in society showing them real life examples real life context and you know them getting to experience the experiments that you might have done in university for that sort of sparked your passion towards it then that is a massive payoff i know obviously like i've said it's the fact that we need to get them to pass their a levels but also we do want them to be passionate about it because they're not going to work as hard if they're not passionate about it so it's finding that ways of bringing that in so that's why i like doing things like the breaching experiment because it's something that they wouldn't expect to do and for example like you've done as well my the teacher who's the head of department teaches research methods in year 12 and she does the same the pupils go off and do classroom observations and stuff like that for them to actually experience it and i think it really helps them and it brings that passion of oh so this is how that works this is how this works in an education setting and makes those sort of questions a little bit easier to understand. So I definitely think having that extra stuff to do that's a bit away from the curriculum, a bit away from the spec, does actually benefit the pupils in the long run because it gives them that boost of passion. So yeah, definitely. So it's not just about the grades. It's not just about the revision. It's also that, like you said, if they feel passionate about it, they're more likely to work harder mm -hmm. um, because it's something they want to do in their spare time. Um, mm -hmm. I know for myself, like I, I've, I'm teaching a bit of cultural identity at the moment, but I'm conscious that I'm going to teach the theory bit, which is structure versus action. So I'm sort of taking bits from that now and embedding that in the cultural identity. Now, mm -hmm. when I do do that bit, that debate, mm -hmm. actually, rather than spending, say, a whole week on it I reckon I only have to do a couple of lessons because it's mm. already been embedded so it's like you said it's planning your year thinking about the specification I know it's a bit cheesy those sort of um what they call roadmaps they sort of like whole road but actually I think for sociology and I can't speak for other subjects completely but because it is so synoptic it isn't a case that you have to just teach it in sequences yeah. because ultimately you can look at something that's happening in year 13 Mm -hmm. and really bring it into year 12 knowing that mm -hmm. you're going to revisit so it's a very holistic course that allows for mm -hmm. that to happen so it might be a case that teachers might be thinking gosh my year 12 I'm, I'm hearing lots of teachers teaching year 13 in year 12. well actually it might be that you are already doing that like you're already teaching year 13 bits because you're already talking about structure in action you might be talking about sociology as a science you might be already talking about um consensus versus conflict so that when you do teach the year 13 stuff and it might actually begin at the beginning of year 13 yeah. you've really already taught it so it's really thinking about it synoptically um and like you said you know we want our students to be going off and and 
enhancing sociology into yeah. their into their life and getting that passion. My other sort of question to you is, you know, with with this idea of being passionate for sociology and ensuring the students love it, um, are there any sort of final tips you might think to yourself, oh, you mean like from a lesson learned, maybe it's, yes, it is worth doing that, but it might not be worth doing something else as a result um, from your own experience. Is there times you think, well, actually, yeah, that is really interesting. I'm gonna hold that there and I'll do this in a different way. Um, so for example, for me, I, um, I try and give sort of extra reading as part of an enrichment activity. Mm -hmm. So if um, I, we did a podcast the other day with someone on um, about social issues, everything. And what I've used is they've got these little 20 minute clips or, or mm -hmm. uh, podcasts on globalization. Um, so I give that as an extra enrichment activity rather than thinking, right, I'm gonna deal with that in a lesson because mm -hmm. you just don't necessarily require that for the exams other than things like that that you do. Um, so every term we do set something called a wider reading log, a bit similar to what you've talked about there, but we have, and the sheets are uploaded at the start of every term and the pupils have to fill them in by the end of the term. So I've laid out in the first column, you know, for um, the start of year 12, they begin with education, families and research methods all at once because it's three hours per teacher and there's three teachers. So we do all those three topics in one go. Um, so they have to each week alternate in. So education one week, families the next, research methods the next. They have to read through it. They have to summarise it and say what they've learned from it. And I think that's really beneficial because that encourages them to do wider reading. You know, if you tell a pupil to go off and do wider reading, they're a bit lost. And we also have um, to go along with that. We have something called a Trello board. I don't know if you've used Trello before. No, tell me more about um, it. It's like an online post-it note system. It's brilliant. It's where I put all my organising rather than having post-it notes all over my monitor and work. It's, you know, it's all there on one screen for me, which is fantastic. And you can put it in different sections. It's wonderful. But we've got that for sociology with all the wider reading that they can look at. And that could be something as basic as revised sociology or they can look at journals. You know, there's stuff like Durkheim's suicide on there and um, sociological imagination, all that kind of stuff on there that they can look through. And I've got a list of stuff that I'm still developing at the moment, whereby I've got a list of books that I still need to scan through for them to have. Um, so all the books that are linked to different topics and what pages are linked to different topics so they can go off and look at it. And I think that is really beneficial because they're only doing one little bit a week. You know, it's not like it's a massive book that they have to read. They can read a page of a journal or an abstract of a journal just to get an extra idea about something. And I think that really does help because that gives them extra evidence. And I always say to them, you know, I'm teaching you what I think is best. If you find another theory you want to use in an essay, that is absolutely fine. You're not going to get marked down for that. You've just gone off and done your own research. And that's the whole point. And I think trying to encourage that is really, really beneficial. Yeah, definitely. How do you find your students respond to that? Like, because, um, you know, I think, like you said, sociology is so evolving. Mm -hmm. There's always stuff out there that you can supplement your, mm -hmm. your teaching, the specification points on. Um, you know, obviously, census data is coming out consistently at the moment. Mm -hmm. How do you find the students engaging with the extra reading? Um, it's a mixture, you know, you're going to have a variety of pupils having different levels of engagement. We've got some who are smashing it out and coming to see me and saying, oh, you know, whatever extra reading can I do? What books do you recommend? That kind of thing. And then there are some pupils who, which is the last thing they want to do, because that sort of A-level mentality hasn't kicked in yet. I don't think that doesn't really kick in until they've done their first set of mocks in year 12. And then they're like, oh, 
I really should be doing this. But we do push it and encourage it and say, look, this is really beneficial. You really need to be looking outside of your subject, regardless of what the subject is, could be geography, history, maths or whatever. It's always good to look outside your subject because it gives you a broader knowledge. So it takes a bit of time for them to get into it but they do finally get into it. And you can see that in their writing that they're starting to use theories that are a bit out there and theories that you haven't really taught them to them before. And it's good that they've gone and looked at that kind of stuff. So it's good to see through that element that they're actually engaging in it through their work rather than just saying, okay, they filled in the sheet. I can see it in their actual exam questions, which is brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's going to be true for all, for all, whether you work at, like you said, you work in a grammar school, um, you've got to, you know, all different, you're always going to have a, a range of students engagement with that. And I suppose that's, that's always going to be the case, but it's, it's giving, it's giving the students the choice that it's out there and it's easily accessible for them to, to go and get, because obviously if they've got to navigate their way through, sometimes that's a little bit harder. So that's, it's so interesting to talk to you and think about some of the ideas that you do. And I think, I think hopefully with it, with balance, like you said, with caution, um, you know, the dangers are that you are, you know, the priority you said is that the content is c- covered and the danger is that it isn't covered. I think that's got to be the pro- priority yeah. and it's really thinking about your plan, but hopefully, you know, I, you know, maybe this is my bias, your bias is that <laughs> teachers are taking an element of going out slightly of the spec within reason to ensure that students stay abreast of what's going on in society that you know they they get that engagement as well into the subject rather than it just being like you said fill out a a, a sheet (laughs) and move on to the next thing um it's more than that and I think that you know I know we've had a couple of lecturers on here before um talk about this exactly this that when they, they do choose to take this at university actually it's going to put them at a better advantage as well and they're going to be able to you know deal with some of those messy debates in sociology um but yes a priority is obviously covering the spec as well (laughs) but but yeah thank you for your time and hopefully people will find this useful when they're planning for next year i know that i'm at the moment updating my resources for crime for next year at the moment Mm -hmm. with all the the data that keeps on coming through Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a, it's a love for learning, definitely for yes. sociology. It is. So thank you for your time yes, and okay. enjoy your holiday. And thank um, you. and I will probably have you on as a guest in the future if you like. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> thank you for unpicking your brain. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. The sociology staff room is brought to you by Tutor to You Sociology. Find us at tutortoyou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutortoyousoc or Instagram at tutortoyousoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.